Yeah, for me, the big turning point was, like, I came to realization, like, as an Asian person in America, like, I've always been treated differently throughout my entire life. And, like, if I'm not helping other marginalized communities also stick up and defend themselves, like, who's going to help me when it happens for me as well? So it's, it's, it's this crazy thing of, like, oh, hey, regardless of, you know, how we view these laws or how we... Um, what what you know the left and libs are doing versus the right it's like we need to help each other in our communities first and foremost and build stronger communities that's like the best thing you could possibly do Welcome, everyone, to the A Better Way to a podcast. Uh, this week, we've got that tattooed guy, PDX, also known as Tank Pig, uh, a trainer with the uh, Shooting Defense Group. Is that right? Yep, are you a trainer defense. or are you, are you one of the founding? Uh, I'm actually one of the founders and uh, the, the head trainer. Uh, right now, okay. it's just myself. My buddy who uh, is working on this with me is actually over in Ukraine right now uh, providing aid. Oh, boy. Is he okay? Is he safe? Or yeah, he's he good. Like we kind of we actually just it? talked a bunch last night. Okay, cool. That's awesome. So you've got, um, so in your your bio for for your your group, it says Asian Asian and veteran owned firearm and medical training, building better communities in Cascadia and beyond, with over twenty five years of fire, firearm handling experience and training between your instructors. So you've got. I know you have military background. Um, they Everybody. do also so cool. like between the two of us because i've been handling firearms since like i was eight which is usually a typically huge red flag of like oh this person says like oh they have you know background and since they're a kid which means that they can't shoot right yeah. um, <laughs> training because you see that all the time at the range and then they do shit like super unsafe um i originally started instructing people back in like 2010 and just doing like small one-on-ones and stuff like that uh just as something to do and then uh, more recently, it got back more into it and was like, hey, I can actually do this and like help people because, you know, how mutual aid, especially in the past two years, has grown into such a huge thing. Um, it was like, this is something I can do that I know how to, you know, between like classroom management skills and actually how to shoot and how to explain concepts. Um, and it's worked out pretty well for me so far. Um, but yeah, he's over in Ukraine cause, and I would be too, except if I didn't have a house and a dog, um, cause people with like javelin experience right now, super valuable over there. Apparently. Is that, is that you? You yeah. have javelin experience? Yeah. I have javelin experience. Uh, he wow. does as well. So it's one of those things that like, Oh, Hey, you know, we need people to actually show others how to effectively use yeah. these since that's yeah. what we're shipping over. Like best anti-armor weapon in the game right now. Especially given your your experience as a trainer, you know, because like teaching is is its own skill, right? Like, yeah. Whether it's like guns or javelins or you know, I don't know math. Yeah, um, <laughs> being able to break down and describe concepts to people, and then also with that for shooting specifically, classroom management is obviously huge. Where like, yeah, if it's just you and you have sixteen people you're training, having them all on a firing line at once isn't safe. First of all. So you don't want to do something like that. You want to keep the student to teacher ratio as low as possible. So, you know, managing that firing line, pairing up or like tripling up people so that you can give, you know, more one-on-one time, even if it runs a little bit longer, you're actually able to see what people are doing and uh, go through and correct them as it happens. 
because that's what they're paying for, right? Or yeah, that's what absolutely. they're showing up to classes for is to get that um, uh, attention and to see what they're doing specifically. So, yeah, nobody wants to pay like you know some of these some of these classes from these like celebrity instructors like four hundred dollars, but nobody wants to pay for that and then get like a university classroom lecture. You know, with <laughs> you know, it's, it's <laughs> right. like the guy never even looks you in the eye. So. Yeah, I've been wanting to go to Thunder Ranch before that uh, Clint sells oh, it because yeah. that's actually that not be too cool. far from me. How it, uh, wait, Clint selling it? Yeah, it's on the market right now for like ten million dollars. Wow, oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, that's well. I mean, I guess he's getting up there in age. That's he's got yeah, to retire eventually. <laughs> yeah. Holy crap! Age is just a number. You should right. <laughs> yeah. Watch how loud you say that, or in yeah. which direction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I, as soon as I hit thirty, my fucking body felt like it was starting to fall apart. So you know, why is that? Like, I I tell I, all my friends who were older than me told me as soon as you hit thirty, your body is going to feel different. And I was like, nah, fuck off. Like that's not the case at all. And then as soon as I hit thirty, it's like hangovers were worse. My back hurt every morning when I woke up. I slept worse. All of a sudden, I feel like I have aged twenty years in a year. Like I'm only thirty-one years old, and I feel like I, I feel like I'm fifty-one. I f- I feel bad for you guys. Uh, you know, hangovers notwithstanding, hangovers are way worse. But like, other than that, I feel better than I ever have. Probably because I'm actually like exercising now, and I didn't used to do that. Way to call me out, Andrew. Yeah. yeah right. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Get your. You know, if you're back, should go to the gym. Yeah. <laughs> back hurts. Get your ass strong. That's that's all it is. You know? <laughs> right. You just do some plays, strengthen up your core. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So easy. <laughs> so um. So easy. you got out of the army. How how did you transition into training people without immediately turning into a bro vet? Um. <laughs> I'll be honest. I was probably a bro vet back in like 2010 or something like that. No. Um, I, I still like, I got, I got a beard. I wear Oakley's and shit, but that's cause I get a fat fucking military discount on that shit. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> but GovX. like, say what? GovX. Sorry. Yeah. GovX or just like Oakley SI, <laughs> like oh, 40% yeah, yeah. off, like all day, every day. <laughs> that's awesome. So, well, and, and it works on my prescription stuff too. So it's like, Oh, Hey, I might as well. Cause this shit's expensive anyways for prescription lenses. Um, yeah. cause it's stigmatism. And if you're shooting a red dot or like a holographic site, um, mine's to the point where like, if I don't have glasses on and I look through an EOTech, it's super fuzzy and it looks like absolute trash. Um, so it's like, oh yeah, hey, I got prescription lenses for everything for shooting glasses and you know sunglasses and all that. But um, yeah, um, family prior service. My grandpa was in the Air Force. Dad was in the Army. He did a bunch of more high speed shit than I ever did. Um, I got medically discharged, um, and it was literally in like I, I've always been kind of disenfranchised with like politics as a whole because nobody it never feels like actually represents me, especially not liberals. And then, um, you know, I, I was always more kind of like libertarian, small government, um, locally, not the whole like chuddy, like, Oh yeah. State rights. And <laughs> right. <laughs> the yeah. civil war was about state rights, <laughs> which is like, that's a huge fucking dog whistle yeah. of what were the state's rights that they were fighting for. Um, 
but yeah. not, like more <laughs> decentralized, like smaller areas taking care of itself uh, yeah. with you know larger funding from a federal government. That makes more sense to me because who knows what needs to happen to a community than that community itself. Well, and, and that's exactly. that's that's Except the essential libertarian. Yeah, right. That's the essential libertarian idea, though, isn't it? It, it like, should be, except, like, it's not. <laughs> that's that's the key word, is it should be. Yeah. Um, Andrew, did, you know, didn't you send me... Anarchism and minarchism are, are their own thing. Uh, you know, and I, I never understood that... Uh, I never understood, like, why... I mean, I, I shouldn't say that. I do understand why, but it's, it's frustrating that, like, so many sort of, like, disparate ideologies uh, get lumped under the, the, the libertarian umbrella and the discourse online, at least, is dominated by ANCAPs. Yeah, so... What I've found, and I've talked to one of my friends about this, is, like, how would we label ourselves? And it's like, maybe I'd probably, like, currently align more with anarcho-communism because I see how failed the fucking U.S., like... Right, right. ...system is in terms of actually, like, caring about individuals and minorities and marginalized folks um but as a whole it's just like now it's best to just be like hey i'm anti-authoritarian you know yeah really though yeah well that's a huge umbrella like that that is something that i feel like you can get a lot of people under your wing with because i unless you're unless you're going far right or or very far left you know i think anyone can agree that we want to be anti-authoritarian and then you know you could you could dish out the the specifics after that yeah, and because, like, Ukraine specifically has, like, made a bunch of, like, leftists show their whole ass in terms of being, like, a simp for, you know, Russian communism, which is still authoritarian. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, oh, what about the, you know, they come up with these, like, crazy excuses, like, as a battalion, like, a fuck, fucking fuck them. Um, yeah. But also with that, it's like, that's not representative of all Ukrainian people. Like, I've lived oh, yeah. in the whole Poland, country. I've dated Ukrainian women when I lived there. I have several Ukrainian friends that I know from living in Poland, which is literally right next door, because I was there right. for a year. And it's like, they aren't bad people. And it's just like, the same thing happens, though, for all Russians. Like, all Russian people aren't bad. I have friends who are in Russia who have, like, faced criminal charges for protesting against this shit. Yeah. You yeah. know? And, and it's like, it's not black and white on either side, but there's like these shades of gray that people aren't aware of with, um, you know, these people like the conscripts, like that sucks for them, but they're also getting deployed there. And they, you know, if they're in combat, like that's what it is. Um, you know, and it sucks for any, it it sucks for everybody. Like, but with that specifically, like the people who are at home and, you know, people who are like, oh, yeah, we need to do a no-fly zone over Ukraine or, like, we need to put more sanctions on Russia. Like, those sanctions are affecting more normal people than it is, you know, Putin or anybody else. Because oligarchs, yeah. Yeah, like, they got tons of money. Like, changing that's not going to really matter. Um, they'll just switch some regulations around, like, forcing Germany to pay in, you know, ruples now. Um, yeah. Because Germany gets a gas. huge percentage of those guys from them. Um, but, you know, most of this stuff, like, war, and people are like, oh, World War Three, and, like, really rooting for it. Like, these are people who have never had to, like, train or prep for combat or, like, you know, have friends that have been lost in combat that yeah. will, like, run their mouths about this shit. You know, like, the American Civil War Part Two or World War Three, like, they're just, you know, uh, doomer for a lot of them. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, my dog's like, I think a delivery truck's here. Ruger's got something uh, don't to worry say. About it. He agrees. Yeah. yeah, you might you might hear mine too. But Should I yeah, start bringing my dog crazy. down in the basement? Say what? 
Sorry. No, no. I, was, I said, should I start bringing my dog down in the basement? You should. Oh, yeah. Just have a dog yeah. party. Yeah, they are. Yeah, we should this is a dog podcast. podcast now, not about uh, <laughs> gun rights or politics. Yeah, that that is. Um, it's 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 cool you say that because I think a lot of people romanticize war in general, uh, in in specifically those who have never been part of it. And not that I have, but I but I think I know enough people to know. Uh, and I mean, we all have social media and we all have access to the internet to know that uh, we don't want it and it wouldn't do anything good for us. Um, and I was like, you know, like you said second american civil war the people who are rooting for uh like the the boogaloo and things like that you know i i used to think that was cool back when it was a meme until people were starting to take it seriously and uh, you yeah, know we're you talking about like, well people were starting about, like, to what that means exactly you know? <laughs> like, and, and, people, and it never just stops at like oh it's a conflict between these two ideals right it always branches no. off and there's always yeah. other conflicts based upon that so it's just like as a marginalized person as a minority it's like you know, yeah, like who's sticking up for you? You know, you're gonna yeah, be somebody's exactly. target. Like that, that's just the way that it's gonna shake out, unfortunately. And, yeah, and because somebody is gonna get together with their racist asshole friends, and they're gonna say, you know, this, the, this is my time to be the the white nationalist or, yeah. or the, uh, you know, the the uber waffen kind of, uh, uh, militia that that we've been trying to get together, and 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 now we can make it a real thing, and and that's. Uh, it's, yeah, you know, and, it's great for people who live in cities that have friends who support them, but there are, there are tons of marginalized people who live in these rural areas, and and that's that would not work out well, unfortunately. And people also think like, oh, hey, like it's going to be you know this this uniform conflict with like you know proud boys and shit like that now, and so it's like that's not how this works out. Like that's not how this would happen at all. And not to get like too like hypothetical, but you know. Even, even minorities who are like right leaning and stuff like need to recognize like oh hey like this is actually a lot about race for them yeah. um but some, for some marginalized people, folks definitely. in general like they need to work together and to you know stick together uh rather than kick out that ladder from under them um you know what was it uh Niemöller or whoever first they came for the socialists and I did not speak out because I was not socialist they, yep. they came for the trade unionists and then they came for the Jews and then they came for me because there was no one left to speak for me like yeah, it's yeah. such an important thing that a lot of people like ignore like yeah they'll post you know inspirational quotes and shit like that but they won't realize like oh hey as somebody who's marginalized well there's LGBTQ by POC AAPI uh, we need to kind of like stick and work together and make sure that our spaces are inclusive. And then you saw my post about inclusivity being like, it's not just tolerance of them because a lot of like leftist spaces seem to just be like tolerant of people different uh, versus like, Hey, this is actually for you to do these things. That's why yeah. I hold like specific classes for, you know, LGBTQ folks. Uh, so they're around other people who, you know, they'd be comfortable with, or if they don't want you know, as a whole, like I don't trade shots. Um, that's not my like the people who show up to my classes but at the same time like holding classes for these specific groups that are marginalized or often targeted like i had a sex workers class that i had i think like 16 16 or 18 people show up wow yeah um because like portland has a huge population of sex workers like dancers bikini baristas all that stuff um and full-on sex work like by all means all this profession in the book yeah do it like well, that's, and that's a specific me. set of considerations, right? For for Carrie and for uh, for not just Carrie, but also for for how they would expect to have to defend themselves. Yeah, I mean, like seventy percent um, chance of being like assaulted or something like that. Uh, when I looked at the the breakdown of like 
your chance of facing violence in these fields of work is very high. Yeah. Like bikini barista getting robbed has like increased dramatically versus like bank robberies, you know, because people view them as these easy targets. Um, yeah. And then also with that specifically being able to answer, you know, some local laws in terms of concealed carry and, you know, the right to defend yourself in these situations for their specific situations, which carry over between like all bikini baristas or for, uh, you know, uh, dancers or anything like that. Right. Um, because safe storage is a law in Oregon, which basically if your firearm isn't safe and secured, um, if it is actually stolen, then you are actually you're held liable for it, which is terrible, right? For so, what, like, what happens with it? Yeah, so wow. you could be potentially held liable for that. So, wow. if your firearm's stolen, like, you can definitely be sued by, um, you know, if a murder happened from that victim's family uh, because you didn't safely store it, and you could be added into yeah. that lawsuit. Which, like, for a bikini barista, it's like when you're working, where do you keep your gun? And yeah, then, like, so yeah different different situations and things like that where it's like you try to I will I try to explain the best I can of like hey so you want this on you first and foremost if you're concealed carrying otherwise it needs to be in a store locker um dancers would have like a more difficult time for that so you know they have lockers or anything like that that they can physically lock to keep their actual like person or whatever I don't recommend purse carry but you don't have a lot of options sometimes as a female, right? Like what you can wear. It's not like yeah. you're going to go on stage with a filster on and you know, your holster yeah. and shit. Right. <laughs> so, um, well, unless, unless filster, this is a, yeah. this is a plug <laughs> just, for you. Just wear you the filster. Make a, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, but you know, so you have limited options and you have to be kind of aware of things like that. Um, for specific people in their workplaces and like what's allowed what's not oregon has laws which if you're in an establishment that um has alcohol or if you've been drinking you can't or you shouldn't have a firearm because right. liability once again is that at all because i know connecticut has uh you can't blow out like a 0.04 or above while carrying but you can be in a bar with a gun it's for me, it's one of those things where it's just like, I don't really drink, so it doesn't impact me as much. But yeah. if I know that I'm going to be going out and drinking, I probably wouldn't carry it anyways. Just because yeah, it's a smart chance. Choice. Yeah. Um, so it, it depends on a person's, like, if they have a no gun sign, like, and I'm yeah, not drinking, have to I'm respect. still going to fucking carry because. But you have, to, uh, you have to appreciate that extra bit of liability should you get caught. Yes. And yeah, so, that's... you know, you, you need to be aware and present for like, hey, this is a potential situation. If I've been drinking, I probably shouldn't be carrying at a bar. Uh, if I am not drinking, you know, is it federally or state illegal? Like, no, it's only courthouses and, you know, federal property, schools, things like that, that you can't carry on. Um, yeah. So, yes, I'm with, well within my legal right, even if they have a sign that says, no, don't, you know, no weapons in here. Um but Washington also has some like goofy ass open carry laws too that I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't open carry at a bar. Like that's yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. On the short list of places not to open carry, right? Close to the top. I'm um, not a huge fan of open carry, anyways. It's just like no, like from a tactical standpoint, that's not a, not yeah. a good choice to make. Like yeah, you can draw faster from it, but also practice carrying concealed. I'm also a bigger dude, so like I don't carry an appendix and waistband. I do four o'clock. Oh, okay. me too. I, the, the iron sights I thought I was stomach. the only one. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was just me. Like, and, and I tell people, like, experiment. Like, figure out what works for you in terms of, like, how you can still carry. Um, 
you know, because that stuff matters. It's like testing out your gear. You can't just be like, oh, I'm going to buy this and it's going to work perfectly for me because, you know, this other gun influencer has this shit. It's like, no, figure out what works for you. And Yeah. No, but you I, need uh, the Instacred. Oh, my Absolutely. gosh. Got to post those, like, spicy, quote, unquote, takes of, like, oh, hey, just get a Glock and an AR-15 or don't don't spend a whole lot of money on your pistol and rifle and instead spend that on ammunition it's like i trust somebody with 500 rounds of like quality training versus like somebody who has 2000 rounds and they just mag dumps into a berm you know yeah yeah for sure so and you you go andrew oh you go go. oh oh man okay (laughs) first rochambeau (laughs) (laughs) um so i think it's cool that you have classes that that specifically target groups that tend to not be highlighted in in the gun space like you you really i mean you can't google um fundamentals for pistol shooting for sex workers and find classes that that are open and and not just like available but welcoming to to people like that or um i think what he's asking is is what's that like you know it's cool. I met a lot of really great people. Um, the thing with that is, is just like, it's not specifically like, Oh, Hey, I'm going to like target these groups because, and try to make money off of it. Like I, I yeah, make a decent amount at my actual job. Um, I've offered, you know, several times like, Hey, if you have an issue posting this, like I'm trying to do it at cost for especially marginalized people where it's like ammo inclusive, um, which adds up, you know, if I have 10 people each shooting just a hundred rounds, that's $350 right there. And just ammo costs plus the range fee, you know, plus my RSO pay, plus my gas to get out yeah, there. Yeah, for sure. And so I want to like try to make that break even as much as possible. If not, like just lo- make my loss as minimal as possible. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. Basically like my two on one classes for uh, carbine specifically, because I like running around with a rifle and I know how to explain these concepts to people really well. Um, at least I think I do, and a lot of people have really good receptive things to say about my two one class. Oh, right. <laughs> the proof is in the pudding, um, right? Like, yeah, and, and they're they're enjoying it. Like, I still talk to these people. Like, nobody feels like I, I you know, I wasted their money. Plus, it's like one hundred eighty, two hundred bucks versus you look at some other places that yeah. they charge three, four hundred, yeah. and they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. You know, they got bridged optics on their pictures and, and like all this other kind of goofy shit, or they're like. You know, they're leaning back as they're shooting in a 201 for the instructors or, like, doing that super, like, hunched down military form. Yeah. I still shoot like that occasionally just because it's comfortable for me because I like putting kind of weight on the front end of the rifle. But, you know, that's it, – it's – so much of rifle shooting is, like, what's comfortable for the person, exactly. right? That's why we have AR-15s that, you know, adult Legos, that bullshit um, yeah. of, hey, you can put on with what for, like, vertical foregrip or angle foregrip or hand stop that you want uh, – Obviously, within federal laws, don't put a vertical foregrip on a rifle less than 26 inches. Um, <laughs> otherwise, ATF might come for you, dog. Well, don't get caught, uh, anyways. But, don't right? do it. Yeah, <laughs> just kidding. Don't do it. My, see, my, my, my philosophy is just like, you know, I'll play within your rules. Like, I'll SBR my shit. Yeah. I'll, I'll pay NFA tax stamps to, you know, get my cans and wait, you know, oh, six yeah. months. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I want to go in public. It's not You know, like I want to go. You don't want to have to worry be, like, about making illegal SBRs at home and then never yeah. be able to take them out in public. The one fud yeah, who shows exactly. up is like, show so me all like, papers. Yeah. But a lot of people just like, I'm gonna still let it sit in my safe. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, that's like they don't take their guns out anyways. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I've met a lot of really great people, um, both through like AYF and then just doing it locally. Um, 
started getting more into competition, which has been a lot of fun. There's some really good people on there. Um, shoot, last time we did competition, which was last week, there was uh, literally like a group of six of us who have all got through training with me. And a lot of that is just like, for them, go slow and make sure you're doing this safely. And then from, you know, pick up speed. But there's a lot of hobbies inside shooting that like typically aren't very friendly to those people. Yeah. But what do you, what do you mean when you say that? You, you look at the demographic of, you know, previous gun owners in America and it's like huge percentage being white old men. Right. Yeah. Um, recently with that shifting over to more AAPI by POC, LGBTQ folks owning pistols and rifles, like, you have these trainers that have been certified before and have been training for like 20 years who are literally just like white old boomery men or fuddy men, you know, um, that's not a very inclusive atmosphere. Like, yeah, they make my key politics out of it, but it's not inclusive, right? Like um, they're tolerant of those people showing up versus like, Hey, come out, get good training. I'll respect your pronouns. Like I respect you as a person. You deserve to have this stuff and these resources available for you. And I'm not here to like rack it or like, you know, just like reap the benefits. Yeah. Monetize somebody else's struggle. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's why I'm like, Hey, like I appreciate the people 100% who pay full price because it allows me to keep doing this. And then it also allows me to be like, Hey, if you have issues being able to afford this stuff and you are a marginalized person or somebody who's, you know, potentially targeted or like hit me up. Like that's what it comes down to. Um, it's funny too, because I've done a LGBTQ class that was completely free booked out within like two days. But with that, only like a third of the people showed up. Oh, really? Yeah, because the class was completely free. So it, you, uh, you also I, have to yeah. take a look at it from a business standpoint oh, of like why people don't value this if they don't have a monetary incentive to actually go through that's and very true. go to it. But if you have them do an extra step of, hey, I have to reach out to them and be like, and, and I don't ask any questions. If you say you can't afford it, you can't afford it. I'll send you a discount code. Or if it's like something you really want to do and you're a marginalized person, like I'll cover the cost of the class for you. Yeah. Or there are people that I know who are donating to cover that cost as well. Right. Um, but you want to know first that they're going to show up. Yeah. You know, otherwise it's like you're taking that slot from somebody else. Like I could care less if people don't show up. It makes my job easier. Right. Like the less students I have, the easier my job is. It's less people have to pay attention to the faster I can get through stuff and give more people one-on-one attention. But you're taking that slot away from somebody who could be using that. And that's the part that really like kind of irked me. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, I'll charge a nominal amount that basically (laughs) my costs and stuff like that. And from there, you know, if you can't afford it, Hit me up, let me know, and I will give you a discount code, send you the RSVP and all this other stuff for that. Um, and it's the honor system. If you say you can't afford it, you can't afford it. I'm not going to ask. Yeah, you're not going to ask know, for like tax send, send me a bank and... statement that shows that your, your account's been overdrawn in the past 30 days. Like, fuck that. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. take people at their word. Like, there's no need to be scummy You hope people it. would like, be cool about testing. <laughs> Means right? tested firearms training. Yeah. Right? That would be so... Oh, my God. Can you imagine the shit show for that? <laughs> Um, but, but like, if you're marginalized, like you deserve quality training that, you know, I think posting pictures of like, Hey, this is what I've done in 201. This is what people have learned, uh, testimonials of people who've shown up to classes or just like photos of people who are new shooters on the range. Um, 
that's kind of speaks for itself that like, Hey, a little bit of training goes a long ways. Cause how many of us go to the range and you see people's targets, either all shots low to the left, or it just looks like Swiss cheese yeah. or like a shotgun, yeah, blasted, really you know, all the time. And people think though, that like, this is okay. They don't know what good is. And they think that, you know, it, there's no other field though, where you can be like, practice these things at home, watch these YouTube videos and, and practice it at home. And, and you can think you're, you know, it's good. Um, you can't do that with pretty much anything else. Right. But with firearm training, you totally can where people think it's totally fine to like, Oh, Hey, yeah, I'm going to do these drills at home, dry fire. And I'm going to be totally ready for these scenarios. You know, like well, you know, there, I, there's nothing else. I do feel like, like dry firing at home is better than nothing. Right. If, if you oh, for sure. Training, but, but if you don't know what you're actually looking for with that dry fire yeah, and like, what my grip pressure actually needs to feel like what my sights yeah. like, yeah, you can use like a pink rhino or, you know, one of those laser training devices, which is great. But if you don't know specifically like, Hey, what I'm looking for is as I press this trigger, my dot doesn't move at all. Or my sights don't move at all. That means that as I do this, like I'm not influencing the gun because yeah. you want the least amount of influence as you're pulling that trigger. And a lot of people don't think about that, but they'll be like, you know, watch a grand thumb video or like, you know, T-Rex arms and shit. Oh, right, right, right. And be like, be like oh hey yeah like i'm totally ready to or god project echo like their room clearing stuff isn't actually that bad but hey first of all don't fucking clear a room by yourself because <sighs> that's how you get got um yeah but like hey i watch these youtube videos i'm gonna go practice clearing my house and be totally prepared for this shit it's like no that's not how this works out like you need to have basics and fundamentals for down first where it's like you can actually hit what you're fucking aiming at which a lot of people don't have well, and that's to a, be able to like start progressing into like more dynamic stuff. Yeah, that's also but, like you you can't be like, hey, I watched a medical YouTube video. I know how to use a tourniquet, right? Or like, <laughs> I know how to save a life or do CPR from watching this video. Um, but with gun culture, it's completely different. Where it's like, oh yeah, hey, just watch these you know resources and practice at home versus watch like watch these mag cool dynamics bit. DVDs. Those those are the shit back. I know. Okay. <laughs> I uh, I pirated those and uh, I I watched them with I my did roommates. Too. <laughs> That's was, what's uh, uh, what were you gonna say, Andrew? Uh, I was just saying it was it was like a whole thing. We were very uh, we were very um, high speed larpers with our, you know, our first guns in our in our college apartment. That's great. That's great. That's what's so cool about going to classes, though, and and especially when you have classes that you make people feel so comfortable at that you know it's very easy to because I know because I did it. Uh, getting a gun and then going straight to YouTube and looking up room clearing classes, room clearing videos and, and all these uh, high speed drills and doing them in your in your house or your apartment and thinking, Oh yeah, I could totally do this. But then you go to the range and you have wonky groups and you know, you can't reload effectively and, and practice the fundamentals. And uh, it, it's humbling. It makes you realize that you, you need to work on the fundamentals and you need to start pretty much from square yeah. one before you do that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, especially with gear too, you'll see these people drop like thousands of dollars into gear, right? Or like thousands of dollars into a rifle um, or like some Gucci ass pistol, which I'm guilty of. Like I own several oh, Gucci yeah. pistols, <laughs> but, but with that, like if you don't know how to use it, those things that are like beneficial, like they go to waste and it's, you know, get the reps in with, you know, something that's with well within your price range and then work on either upgrading that or saving that money and, yeah. you know, buying it later. 
you know, something that's better that will meet your kind of skill level. Cause a lot of people will get like these expensive pistols and then not knowing how to shoot it. Like having a, a having a lighter trigger, like, yeah, it makes you do less, have less influence as you're actually pulling that trigger back or pressing the trigger, whatever you want to call it. Either way, it's pretty much correct. It's semantics at that point. But, um, you know, it allows you less influence. But at the same time, like, if you can't keep your sights on target or, like, you're flinching downwards because you're anticipating recoil, it's not going to help you with that. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So it's one of those things where it's just like, you know, cost skill level analysis of where you're currently at the biggest thing that i want to do though in terms of training people is to have them be able to self-diagnose right yeah like having people show up to the same like intro class over and over like hey that's money in my pocket that's not what i'm here for like i want them to be able to like leave with a skill set of like oh hey i'm shooting low into the left i'm gripping too fucking hard with my right hand you know oh i'm dipping straight down i i know that i'm about to anticipate that recoil rather than just let the pistol do its thing um having them be able to do that stuff is far more important than like pay me for a class right and then with that they they remember it because they're self-teaching themselves continuously every time they go to the range they realize like oh hey this is what i was doing um and then once they get to a point where they're very proficient at that they can notice their friend shooting like that like oh my friend shooting low into the left this is what you know tank pig said at his class and this is what i did to fix that you know adjust my grip pressure more palm pressure versus like with my right hand um I always like in my one-on-one classes, I go around and I basically shake everybody's hand. I'm like very, very light, like a little bit firm, just like make that seat, you know, that, that kind of cup. And then I'm like, this is how, how hard I hold the pistol. Like I'm not death gripping it. I'm just like, my hand's very relaxed on there for my right hand. And I'm like, this is what my other hand does. And you know, my, I go and I sport hand and I put my pressure with my palms and they're like, Oh, like yeah, that's how you hold a pistol. Oh, that's like, cool. Like you're cool. having a, a cool tactile idea. feel yeah. of like yeah. this is what it needs to feel like, and, I, and then I have them do it to me, and it's just like no more palm pressure, more palm pressure, more palm pressure, you know. Because um, a lot of people will do that, and they're like afraid they're going to hurt you with their palms. It's just like no, just like push those together like a vice, and uh, that's worked out pretty well. Versus you know like eighty percent, twenty percent, or something like that, which nobody know, knows what that different is different for everybody. Yeah, yeah, nobody knows what that is. Just like when you go to the range and you hear somebody say, just aim. Like, yeah, just, have, you, yeah. have you explained how yeah, sights just, work and like yeah, how they look at your sights, bro? Is it a, is it a six o'clock, you know, cold or is it what's, what kind of sights are you using? So it, it's one yeah. of those things with it. Like people don't know how to actually describe and like explain these concepts. But if I can get people to a point where they're proficient enough, and that should be the goal of anybody shooting, right? Is like, they should be proficient. If you own something that's as dangerous as a firearm, your minimum skill level that you want to be at is like, I'm comfortable with it. I'm proficient with it. I can aim and put holes where I'm aiming at. Um, yeah. From there, it's like, do you want to do competition? Do you want to start doing like long range precision shooting? What do you want to do? And then the world opens up. The world's their oyster. That's when shit gets real fun, right? That's when you start doing VTAC and you do moving shoots. Um, so it, but a lot of people want to just jump right into the high speed shit, right? Without getting the basics. Yeah. And you see that all the time with like people ringing steel at 25 yards with an AR. Like that shit's not hard. It, yeah. It, yeah, it kind of like looks cool in an Instagram video, but at the same time, like, what are you actually developing when you do that? Yeah. Or they'll do like even more dangerous and even more stupid is like live fire, shoot, move, communicate drills, right? Oh gosh, yeah. You, you do not need 
to actually have a fucking rifle to do shoot, move, and communicate. Like, being a great shot is one thing, yeah. but, like, the thing that actually fucking matters is being able to communicate as a team. And, the, like, I don't do classes for this stuff because, like, well, I'm me- not a tactics teacher. Yeah. Tell me how many times in the yes. Army, though, that you practiced that without your rifle. Or you might have practiced it All with your rifle. Time. but air gun yeah. or handguns. Like, your hands in the air. And just going bang, 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 bang. Oh my god! And like, and that's the thing. Like, you feel so stupid doing that, but you're, you're <laughs> ingraining muscle memory, Andrew. Because I seriously, like, I, you, no, you, I think it's something that you true. only see in movies or in like third world countries. But the the U.S. military, the greatest funded military in the world, because of the training that you get from it, will will run down ranges and and say bang, 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 yeah. bang. <laughs> like, and, yeah. and, and because if you can't hear somebody yell moving or set as you're saying bang 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 you aren't going to be able to hear them over gunfire yeah right so it teaches like people to a articulate and to project their voice and get that like nice you know like drill sergeant voice like fucking loud but not like screaming yeah frog Um, voices which is important like how to actually project your voice especially over gunfire or anything else but like you can practice these motions dry you don't even need a gun you know, like land nav and stuff like that, which is cool. Like you don't need a gun for that communication. You don't need a gun for how do you move? You don't need a gun for, but like SWAT hands or like, you know, your hands in the air, like mimicking a rifle or like together, like a pistol, like that stuff is actually invaluable because you're working on those like body positions and those movements without actually like increasing the danger exponentially from having a live rifle, you know? Yeah. I but it. like literally it, it should be like communicate move and shoot like those are the, the the order of things like if you can't communicate your friend's gonna get got you're gonna get got that's not good um if you if like yeah you could be a great shooter but if your buddy's not actually like putting fire down range like suppressive fire like that's really important if you're there like my buddy says he's moving i'm now providing suppressive fire and i'm like shooting at this slow pace like that's not good yeah, you want to be basically running hell down on whatever's downrange and is a threat to you to keep them covered so that your buddy can actually get to a safe position or like they don't know the order of things like i'm saying i'm set but i got a mag that only has 10 rounds in it because like i didn't reload yet right if you're saying you're set and you got to do a reload while your friend's moving like you're fucking up right um because that's a bad situation for your buddy who now doesn't have any covering fire i think a lot of this highlights the fact that people really try to get in over their heads faster than they should and unknowingly because you don't know and there's no shame in that like admitting that you don't know like admitting your own ignorance there's things that i'm ignorant about competition being one of them because they have a completely different set of rules in terms of how you move right i'll be honest like my very first competition i did dq out of because i broke 180 the firearm was still in a safe direction it would never flag to anybody but it, when I did a reload, it moved past the 180. Yeah. Even though there was targets behind me that I was moving towards, but it broke my 180 yeah. and my parallel line from that, even though I was going to be moving backwards and, and um, shooting targets that it, it didn't even reach at that point. Um, so, like, I'm ignorant of that stuff, but it was a learning experience for me. Now, what do I do? I watch literally fucking videos of, like, PCC, like, movement for USPSA and, like, ISPCA, because, like, I want to know how they do it and how they do it safely and how they do it quickly because like it's totally gamifying my movement right like i'm never going to move like that in an actual situation where it's like i'm holding this over my shoulder with barrel down range and running 
the wrong direction right yeah. if i have a sling on and it's like a combat zone yeah, like yeah I, I have that shit slinged and i'm just running straight <laughs> um so like you, you you need to like realize these things where it's just like yeah i'm infallible I'm, I'm not infallible like i have issues that i need to figure out for these specific things because like movement and competition is way different than like if i'm actually teaching somebody like hey if you have this situation where like you you got to move to cover this is what you actually need to do right like they're completely different and how you go through and you approach those is very different as well but competition is like its own own separate beast as well yeah but. for sure i've only ever done idpa so and that's that's like the gamified of the games you know that's the most you gotta engage it in this order and you yeah. gotta reload behind oh, yeah. cover like it's yeah idpa is like its own sometimes. yeah um I'm doing ASI next month and then uh, USPSA. I'm starting up PCC competitions because like for me, running a rifle is just so much more natural. Yeah. But with that again, like literally, um, do we have like a chat or something? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We yeah, do. You can, let, yeah you let me, can put let me post a link to you. Then we can describe it. Um, so how they move backwards, like if you have to move immediately backwards, They'll take their support hand and they'll hold the rifle up with a, like basically the muzzle facing downrange backwards behind them so that they can efficiently and quickly move from like one direction to another without breaking the 180. Like yeah. Naruto yeah. running? No, no, not, no, no, not no. like behind them, like over their shoulder. <laughs> I, I just imagine somebody running like with their hands pointed behind them like Naruto. But with pistol, people do that, though, because like they'll keep their arm behind them so that they can run more straight without breaking the 180. You just need to be aware as you bring that back around that you don't break it. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So it, it's like a whole system of like gamifying your movement. Um, I'm trying to find that. So for people like while while you're looking for that, for people that are looking to get into competition, what would you say they should practice on first? What do you think they should be proficient with first before they get into being able to hit their fucking target, being able to put holes where they're (laughs) Um, (laughs) that that is first and foremost, like the most important thing. Um, So the, the. the shooter that I posted up that I've been working with uh, for the past month, who's now like shooting out the red and all of her targets, uh, her goal is to do competition. And so it's like, now that we have got to the point where it's like, she knows what to do. Um, she knows how to correct and to how, how to diagnose herself as she's like, Oh, Hey, I'm pulling shots down. It's because I'm like, I'm not letting the gun just recoil. Um, I, I literally told her like, Hey, so, you don't have to pay me for these one-on-ones anymore for just like static range stuff because that doesn't do you any good. Like we're past that. Like you could put holes in now a month that you've been shooting, uh, where you're aiming consistently. And if you aren't, you want to diagnose that and to fix that. Um, so now it's like next week we're going out and we're practicing moving and shooting. We're practicing reload drills. We're practicing these other things. But like if it came down, like her fire handling as a firearm handling has always been awesome. Um, it's one of those things where it's just like, I would feel still comfortable, like not USPSA perhaps because that's like more go, 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 go. Um, I'd be more like API or ASI up North, um, in Seattle. Yeah, so Action Sports International. Oh, that's um, cool. Yeah, they have uh, – definitely check it out. It's like one of my friends who is a high-speed competition shooter is like, that's like competition for babies. It's like that's a really <laughs> good point for people to start off on because it's yeah. like 
you you aren't mani- like maneuvering around stuff as much or like moving backwards as much it's more like laterals or left right movements or like front or from back to front um when i just saw but, that that picture that you sent us um for anyone who who doesn't know it's essentially like this guy is running uh, he looks like he's about to throw his rifle as like a javelin buttstock yeah. first. Yeah. Um. <laughs> and, and so like gamifying your movement is something you have to be aware of when you start doing like USPSA so you don't break that 180 rule. Yeah. And th- that wasn't something that I really thought about, you know, for my first competition because I thought like, oh, hey, how I move like, yeah, it's still in a safe direction. It's like I can send you the picture of like when I literally broke the 180, my firearm is Ugh. facing towards a vehicle, like inside or towards a, uh, towards a, a, a truck that was like a thing you had to maneuver around. Yeah. And as soon as like they said, stop, I was like, Oh fuck. I know exactly what I did. I didn't argue about it. I stayed for, you know, most of the day to help set, reset up targets and things like that. Like I wasn't a dick if I got DQ. Oh, it, nice. it happens. Right. It's, and a lot of people say it's not like if you get DQ, it's when I'm just glad like i got down my way like the first yeah. one now it's like i make sure that i don't fucking do that again that's why i'm like doing this research and like looking through like videos and like how do these other shooters do it uh and it, it it is completely gamifying of your movement yeah um for competition versus like what would you expect in like a real world situation you know so it's just something to be aware of and it's something to work on also which is cool for me it's like shooting is fun because it's a constant like self improvement system. Yeah, it's right? not something it's that not you're just an expert like, at, and then you you have nothing else left to learn. Yeah, like for me, like hey, I got really good with pistol and rifle. I started shooting shotgun a lot more. I started shooting like ski and trap and competition clays. And like, I, it's funny because like Fuzzle like look at my my uh, Beretta thirteen oh one because it's the Langdon Tactical that's all like Gucci oh, out and like tactical that. right. Fantastic fucking shotgun. It's basically the same cycling uh, action as like their M four hundred or whatever, like their actual like competition uh, shotgun. And like I'll still hit clays with a red dot sight on it, you know, just because I'm used to aiming with a red dot. Yeah. And that so I have one on a shotgun. Hey, if it works. Yeah, if it works Don't for you, if it, it works for you. And like, practice with what you got. Like, I'm not going to go out and spend two thousand five hundred dollars, which is like the low or like middle range for like a you know over under shotgun. That's wild. Like, those things go up to like twenty four grand. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Hello, everyone. This is an ad for our Patreon. So if you don't feel like listening to it, then feel free to fast forward for about a minute. But if not, I would love to talk to you about it. On that super cool website that allows us to funnel this desire to make a podcast into a shameless cash grab, you can get a whole bunch of free stuff. We have multiple tiers available with some sweet perks ranging from stickers to discount codes to shirts and a lot of other things that are exclusive only to our Patreon. Your contributions will help us pay for more spiked coffee beverages and will help Andrew and I to start a shoe company that will overthrow the Wobby Empire and bring wide shoes to all of the land. The link is in our Instagram bio or on patreon.com slash abetterway2a. So check it out. Or don't. But it would be cooler if you did. Anyway, back to the show. Enjoy. That's a whole different level. That's like, that's, that's, you're, you're talking about like metal inlays and engravings and, and things like that. That, yeah. That, uh, yeah. Right. I've actually shot one of those. So I lived in uh, Doha, Qatar um, in the Middle East. Wow. Um, I was over there teaching English and tutoring for the IELTS. So English international english language standardized test yeah cool. um I, i've lived fucking all over um but i actually got the chance to shoot at the uh qatari uh olympic complex for shooting 
for skeet there. Wow. So I actually got to shoot one of those like $24,000 fucking shotguns. That's pretty sweet. Was <laughs> it, it was crazy. Was it significantly different than shooting a Langdon tactical? Um, so since it was an over under, like, yes, oh, yeah. just yeah. based off of that alone, but it didn't like recoil much at all. Um, in comparison to like, you get a Mossberg, you know, 500, $300 shotgun, which I think they're like 500 bucks now because of inflation and shit. But, oh, gosh, um, yeah. like, if, you know, you shoot a pump action shotgun with slugs or something like that. Like your shoulder hurts at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, some of those like expensive, uh, over unders, like, even though there's no like buffer system, like, you know, my Beretta 1301 has a, uh, it's like a spring and piston system Yeah. in the bottom. Um, so it shoots incredibly light regardless of the load. Um, those expensive over-unders are, like, pretty soft shooting. Like, they're really comfortable to shoot. I would You're never... also doing, you know, target loads and stuff. Yeah, but... I'd never think that. That's but with that, going back to, like, hey, people spending money on this stuff, quality training is important. Don't just go out and buy Gucci stuff. If you have the means to financially, like, by all means, I'm not here to police anybody's, you know, purchasing decisions i own a bunch yeah. of like random <laughs> shit like please don't mcx for competition mcx like a brand like i own random shit i'm a big yeah. fan of glass houses piston driven yeah. guns though right because yeah. that's what i shoot like i got a staccato xc that's you know waiting in uh for my background check because we got a you know up to two week wait for washington oh um, what a pain it's based off of when the the and then we also got the mag band too which means this next month i'm dropping a ton of money on magazines yeah. Um, oh yeah because you need do you need you can still you have to have them in your hand and in your possession before july 1st how do, otherwise how it's do you, considered oh, oh you're buying the non-10 round magazines first yeah, yeah i'm buying the non-10 round mags because you're technically grandfathered in it's yeah so get as many as you bullshit. can how do, how do they <laughs> prove so that how, how do they, they prove? don't there's there's like no way it's mainly yeah. to cut down the sales of them in the state but oh. at the same time like my biggest worry is because it's a misdemeanor just owning it Right. Um, unless you're grandfathered in, which they don't have any freaking way to prove that you're grandfathered in or not. Yeah, because they're non-serialized. Yep, they're non-serialized. Um, like, yeah, some of the Magpul ones have date stamps on them. But you can just a lot of mags don't have date stamps on them. I'm so glad um, they thought this through. Yeah, so it's like this terrible law that, you know, they haven't really fully faced or realized, like, oh, hey, this is what this actually is about and this is what it affects but like for me if i can still carry let's say if i can still carry a glock 19 that's a 15 round standard mag in it right i'm gonna carry it with a fucking 15 round mag in it but if i get stopped by a police officer that's grounds to confiscate my stuff until an investigation happens because that's a misdemeanor for me owning that 15 round mag uh, oh yes. even if you have even if it's listed as one of the mags that you own there is no like list yeah it's just wow there is no like photo requirement, but I, it's still grounds for me to be like hassled over having a yeah. It's like probable cause, you know. That's so silly. A high high capacity magazine at that point, which is a misdemeanor. So we'll see how like much that actually gets fucking um, this is prosecuted. But I can imagine the absolute shit show that happens once it does. Because like yeah, I have a Glock nineteen and I have a three sixty five X. Three sixty five X also has a fifteen round mag. Yeah. Well, like, enjoy. If I get pulled if you... over and stopped for by a police officer, and I'm like, yeah, hey, they ask me if I'm still carrying. I say, yeah. They ask me to cut out of a vehicle. They pull, out, you know, where's your pistol at? I tell them they, you know, pull it out for me. Um, that's a misdemeanor right there, up to a ten thousand dollar fine and up to eleven months in prison. That's crazy. So unless but I that's can prove, like, hey, yeah. I owned this before. 
I uh so after we have similar laws in Connecticut and you know we can't have over 10 round magazines and and whatnot and uh I have an M&P 40 which comes standard with 15 round mags and when I bought it it was before the mag ban went into effect I got into a motorcycle accident I had to go to the hospital on an ambulance and I was carrying on me and I remember when the trooper came uh with the ambulance I was like, hey, uh, I have a gun on me. I can't bring this to the hospital. I'm assuming they're going to cut my pants off. And uh, I gave it to them, going to get it from them. And everything was legal. I had everything legal. It was, it was, uh, you know, we had to register our mags that were over 10 rounds when, when this ban went into effect. And luckily I was in the military at the time, so I had like a grace period. But um, when I went to go pick they it up, give they, it back to you? they tried telling me. They were like, no, these are illegal. You can't have them. And I was like, no, I can have them. They're they're legal. They're registered, quote unquote, whatever you want to call it. Even though there's no serial number on there, and it was like this big to do. And they were saying the same thing. They were going to find me. It was going to be a. Uh, uh, it's actually a class D felony um, in Connecticut. Jesus. Um, yeah, it's just a misdemeanor here, but like. Yeah, and and uh, which, at that point, like they confiscate all of your guns, right? Yeah, exactly. If you're like, yeah. Exactly, and it was just felon at that point. This is breeding contempt for the law, is what it is. Oh yeah, and this is the only thing that they've ever done to breed contempt for them. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> this is the this is where it started. This is this is what's getting the right to get on yeah. board. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it was this like uh, good luck with that, and um, I hope you never have to deal with any of the uh, patrolmen because uh, odds are it's only going to be the supervisors and above who are actually going to know the law yeah, for the first couple months or years. And with that too, it's like who are they going to target with that? Like, yeah. it's always marginalized folks that get targeted with that stuff, you well, know? what neighborhoods are over-policed? What neighborhoods are, have, have more interactions with, with the law and, and would be statistically more likely to get into trouble with that as a result? Exactly. And so we talked about this before, Jordan. It's like liberals do this and they don't realize the actual impact for other people or the harm it places to other people because they focus more on, like, this is hurting the people I don't like, which is like, you know, right wing ultra conservatives who own firearms. Like that's all they really focus on. They don't really, and some of them will even admit like, Oh, Hey, yeah, I, uh, who was it? Uh, firearms policy coalition did that video, uh, with their lawyer uh, for like the young Turks. And the guy was all like, yeah, he blatantly said like gun laws will, you know, affect marginalized by POC communities far more than anybody else. But I still support, you know, increasing more of the gun loss. Um, yeah. Perfect like example. totally being aware of the fact that it does, but because it's like was a that, shot Was that on, Hassan Piker? No, that wasn't Hassan's. Uh, that was one of their other ones. Uh, Hassan doesn't do any of the TYT stuff anymore. Oh, okay. I watch him on Twitch all the time. He's, he has good content. Um, so there was actually a, a study done uh, in regards to that. Um, I forget who did it and, and, and who put it on, so I'm not even going to try to remember that. But they took two groups, and they put these people who were in these groups, um, they they split them up. They, they took a, a number of marbles um, in a jar, and they had people guess how many marbles were in the jar. And regardless of what they guessed, they separated these people into two groups, uh, overestimators and underestimators, just to give them some kind of identity with their group. And what they started having them do was tasks that would pay them in, in, in money. They'd get a dollar, two dollars, three dollars for completing these tasks. And if they 
if they won, they got money, and if they lost, they uh, got nothing. They they got to these tasks where the winner would could choose um, to receive less money if the loser got nothing, or if the winner received more money, then the losers would still get a couple bucks. the The winners would choose the majority of times to receive less money, knowing that it uh, gave their opponents nothing rather than accepting more money and giving their opponents something. So right. just for the sole purpose of hurting their opponents, they actually received, they would choose the outcome that hurt them as well. And it, it was a, a crazy thing to realize that like people do that in politics. People do that in, in society. They, yeah. they will go along with policies and go along with, with um, laws that they might know hurt people they care about, but because they hurt people they dislike more, or in their eyes, in, in, in their perspective more, even if it's not the case, they're totally okay with it. It's the human condition, right? It's wild. <laughs> it's absolutely wild. And I'm surprised I got through all that without messing it up. But Yeah. Um, and I don't, I don't know if I necessarily believe that that's essentially human behavior. Um, I, I think that that's a... I think that that's conditioned into us. Um, I think that that's a that's a societal thing. That doesn't. Oh, one hundred percent. That doesn't feel like something that that I just naturally know. I think that that's just a result of people getting the short end of the stick time and time again, in other situations. Personally, yeah. that's just my. Yeah, my, no, uh, it's it's possible, and that's that's the thing about you know experience and all that stuff is that it's it's different for every person, and that could influence how you choose. The, the outcomes differently than it could cho- influence how I choose the outcome. And, yeah. and that's, uh, yeah, for me, the big turning point was like, I came to realization, like as an Asian person in America, like I've always been treated differently throughout my entire life. Yeah. And like, if I'm not helping other marginalized communities also stick up and defend themselves, like who's going to help me when it happens for me as well. So it's, it's, it's this crazy thing of like, Oh, Hey, regardless of, you know, how we view these laws or how we um what what you know the left and libs are doing versus the right it's like we need to help each other in our communities first and foremost and build stronger communities that's like the best thing you could possibly do because you know we don't have unlimited funding we aren't you know millionaires or anything like that like i'm pretty financially stable um i have everything that i need now it's like i can spend my time helping other people train and get this training that they right. need without you know breaking the bank yeah because you go to even just a general nra class is still like 120 bucks right. and if i'm cutting it for 100 and then be like hey if you're having an issue paying even that hit me up i'll give you a discount like that stuff's important like i'd rather have people who know how to fucking shoot that um, yeah somebody can know, watch your back you know yeah, it, and it, all it does is build up stronger communities and people are more aware of gun safety and, like, safe storage and all this other stuff. Because, like, yeah, gun laws are great. It's basically slapping a Band-Aid over a uh, giant, you know, wound. It, it, it's not treating the actual symptoms for it or giving somebody, you know, a placebo pill of, like, hey, we actually need to raise people out of poverty and to have, you know, chances yeah. of education and bettering their lives versus... Um, you know, the actual causes of gun violence or violent crime versus the tool that is used in them specifically. Exactly. But even then, like for the education aspect though, like everybody shot on critical race theory and like, this is literally American history, right? Like, yeah, Yeah. I wasn't taught about black wall street and, you know, 
no, Tulsa. definitely not. <laughs> and, and I'm not. I, I think like some schools might be touching on that of like, hey, this happened yeah, like literally now. less than a hundred years ago. Yeah. And people think like, oh, it's so long ago when it was like literally a generation or two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think some people, you know, we have the the media to blame for that getting blown out of proportion because you have some people who believe that it's all about white guilt. It's all about like teaching yeah. my kids to hate themselves because they're white. And it's, I think a lot of that is uh, like projecting of these parents who may or may not feel guilty for the shit that like that they grew up with. I mean, because a lot of our parents grew up in the '60s and grew up during the civil rights movement, and depending on who your parents were. I mean, they may or may not have been on one side or the other of that. And they, I, if, if I was the kind of person who grew up maybe on the wrong side of history, I don't know if I'd want my kids to learn about the things that I was part of back right, then. Right. Um, and you know, they would have a different perspective of me. So, I mean, I, I can see, wasn't it that picture of the ice cream shop, uh, with the, the by POC folks inside of it. And then like everybody standing around them, all the white people just like mean mugging them. That oh, yeah, uh, was that like a sit-in? That was a sit-in, I think. Yeah, right? there was a oh, sit-in yeah. at a diner, and, oh, and wow. it's like I'm sure that the people who were in that photo don't want to be like, you know, outed. Like, hey, outed. Can you imagine tagging and, that photo on Instagram now? Like, well, but, tagging no, those people's yeah, Instagram. Exactly. Hold on. Wasn't there an actual historical photo of a? Where are we? Are you, you're talking about like the original photo from like the the 50s or whatever, right? Yeah. Or, okay. 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 All right. And like teaching like, hey, this wasn't that long ago. And then like, it, let's say you lived in that town, though. Right. It's like that's your grandparents. For sure. People, people disassociate oh, with yeah. that, though. And they're like, I don't want to recognize my grandparents. Like, yeah, you don't want to see your grandparents passed, as bad like, people. Realizing like some of the shit he said, like as I was growing up, like, yeah, he meant well for the most part for other people. But he said some like racist shit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And. and they don't want to be viewed as that because as you get older too, one of those things, and we talked about this before the show started was like the fear of your own mortality, right? Like that's yeah. why a lot of people end up going towards religion and shit like that. Um, as they get older, because they want to go to that good place when they pass yeah. uh, versus like for me, like I don't believe in religion. I'm just like, if I die, I'm going to decompose on the dirt somewhere and hopefully like a nice tree grows where I, where I, you know, pass. Um, but you know, they don't want to be remembered for things like that. So, like, if we can scrub it from the history books and to ignore it, then, you know, it's basically, like, it, it skims over the, the shitty things that they have done as a person. Yeah. Well, and oh. I think, too, that, that there's this uh, – a big part of the, the, the white response to um, accusations of racism is that I think that we have this sort of, like, cartoonish uh, – definition of of what racism is and what it does uh that sort of like pervades the the popular consciousness where it's like if you display well okay so so let me back up so like racism is like a vicious active and evil endeavor that people follow in the minds of 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 a lot of white people and so if you accuse them of something like casual racism like you know hey i don't want you to use that word i don't want you to talk that way maybe you've got some bad assumptions uh, and, and what they hear is, you know, you're an evil, vicious, murdering rapist, uh, and or, or a racist. Sorry. <laughs> um, and, either way is bad. Yeah, and, either way. And so they're like, no, that's not me. That's not me. I'm not that person. I'm I'm not an I'm not an evil, vicious person. Yeah. You know, I when I am essentially a good person, and they can't 
parse the 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 difference between you know the the more modern kind of conception of 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 you know everyday racism of of uh you know prejudices and 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 things like that because they're they're sort of like stuck on this idea of like if i'm racist at all i'm worthless well in reality the issues with like leftists too though is like this whole kind of system that's built upon um like gatekeeping of like I'm more leftist than you. You've done this one oh, shitty yeah. thing. I'll forever hold it against you. Or oh, just like man. blatantly making shit up about somebody, which oh, is yeah. something that happened to me. And it's like no proof, no, like literally nothing. Everybody who's ever gone to one of those classes has like nothing but good things to say about me. What it, well, hold, it, on, hold on, hold on. What, what do you let's let's elaborate on that? What are you talking about? This is what happened to you. So I had one person who tried to fast jacket me and then say that I wasn't Asian because I didn't have enough melanin in my skin tone. What? And it's like, yeah, that, that part's kind of funny. So, um, say, so like that part I like when I kind of wow. laughed off because it's just like, you don't here's have pictures of me God. with my Asian family. <laughs> oh my like here's God. pictures of me as a kid. Um, and then fast jacking, which is just like, because I was former military, like who gives a fuck? Like I'm out here trying to help people now. Like, yeah, it was kind of like bro vetty, like back in like 10 years ago and probably had some like more questionable politics and decisions from like being more libertarian. But like, since then I've obviously gotten more left. What's that word you're using? Uh, in case people don't know it, like myself, was that fast jacketing? Yes. Fast jacketing. Yeah. So it's, um, basically calling somebody like a fascist or like alt-right uh person without uh, kind of like any proof or anything it just like as that. like just a, like as a buzzword or jacking. yeah oh wow. i see i see today i learned yeah that's a good so, that's a good one so yeah that happened and then because there was no proof of me actually being like fucking alt-right because i don't associate with anybody like literally i stay at home and i hang out with my dog and then i just like my social <laughs> time is going out teaching people how to fucking shoot yeah like um, an asian john wick Right, <laughs> try to be a little bit, little bit heavier though. Actually, Keanu Reeves is like what a quarter Asian, half Asian. I don't know. Is he? He is. Yeah. Sweet. Well, I mean, look, there you go. There you go. Because everybody yeah. when he came so out you're, forty-seven you're like a Samurai, regular John Wick. A regular. When, when every <laughs> when everybody, when he came out with forty-seven Ronin, everybody was like, he's not even Asian, and it's just like, no, he's like half. And I remember that being a whole discussion. Oh shit! Uh, yeah. Yeah, because like yeah, also Ken Watanabe is badass oh um, you ever um that that reminds me of the i know we're getting off topic here but who's the you know the actress in uh parks and rec um so, sorry say that again the actress in parks and rec she has a black father do you know who i'm talking about I'm, somebody so I she had her hair in braids in in one of these uh award shows and somebody called her out on it and they they were like uh that's that's not cool it's like you know you're pretending to be black and oh yeah. She was like, "My dad is black," and the reporter had no clue whatsoever. Are you looking it up right now? Yeah, I'm looking it up. Yeah, I'm trying and to find it, it, who would... it is. Oh man, it's it's blowing my mind. Oh, it's yes, it's uh, she played um, Ann Perkins, uh, Rashida Jones. Rashida yes, Jones. yes, yeah, yes. But yeah, like, she, yeah, anyway, but she's got know. cred too. She hung out with Tupac, you know. Like, the gatekeeping around this stuff is just like absolutely nutty, and like, and, this and is, like from people that have no, like, no actual place. stake in it. You know, it's like yeah, like, like the dude, white dude, white liberals telling you me. that that you can't wear braids or that you're not Asian. You know, like wh- who are you, man? Like what? <laughs> yeah, like this dude was in like 
Arizona. Like, I, I honestly, yeah. like, they were not well, and I hope that they get the help that they need, but yeah. it was just, like, crazy, and then it, like, escalated from there, and they were, like, making up other stuff, and it was just, like, yo, I'm just gonna drop this, like, block you, whatever, fucking say whatever you want to say. Im- imagine there's no proof, right? There's like, no proof in... I think you're a racist alt-writer because you don't have enough melanin to be truly Asian. <laughs> you know, How ironic like, is that? And shit. Like, <laughs> I've been... I grew up and I got cut all a ton of racist shit growing up because, like, again, yeah. I lived in a very predominantly white area. Um, even more so when I was a kid because I lived in like this small, like, outskirt town in yeah. um, Washington called Washougal, and there is like ninety five percent white people. Um, and would and wouldn't those white people that were mean and racist to you wouldn't they be thrilled to know that you made it and you're finally uh, you're finally a white alt writer? Right? God, they would be so proud. They probably still call me like, I didn't think you had it in you, buddy. (laughs) Good job, chief. It's like, yeah, he has a shaved head. Well, I have a shaved head because I'm balding. And then I have a beard because, like, nope, that's a dog whistle. You don't have any more hair on the top of your head. You just got to go somewhere else, right? (laughs) Like, you got got to balance that out somewhere. Plus, I'm pretty blessed with, like, a nicely shaped dome. I'm sure, Jordan, in the. uh, Hashtag blessed. Right in the military, you saw people with all kinds of like goofy scalps and things like that from like having a shaved head. Yeah, me. I have a yeah. whole shaved. <laughs> Were you one of those people that like the ridges and stuff? I have no. So I have a um, I have an arachnoid cyst in the back right quarter of my head. It's about the what size is, of what a, is an arachnoid cyst? It's a uh, think of it as like a benign tumor filled with um, something. I don't know, uh, like the size of a tennis ball, and you can't see it while I have. I was gonna say while I have hair on can't see it while my hair is long but when i shave my head it sticks out like like uh like a bump under my under my head under my skull oh man yeah, yeah it's so wild it, so so it looks like you got like, like a horn or something like kind of like poking it, out there. it looks like when you take a ball of play-doh and you just spent way too much time on like one side like you're trying <laughs> 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 so yeah, it's like for those reasons i was i was fascist yeah like yeah, yeah, yeah. no good for you for having a round head that's i wish i had a round head and could shave my head i did once and i thought i looked cool but i didn't it saves me all. on trips to the barber though my self-care is now going out to uh my barber in uh portland and getting like a hot shave like oh, nice yeah. hot towel everything like they do a fantastic job and that's like self-care to me that's like relaxation spend an hour and a half there and it's just like going to a massage parlor you know and like relaxing you want to drop a shout out to your barber uh uh unless you don't for uh for, for security reasons yeah slaptown barbershop uh it was minority owned and they just sold it to um some of their other barbers who are lgbtq community members they are fucking fantastic Hell What's yeah. it called? Slaptown Barbershop. Slap oh, that's town? cool. Slaptown. Yeah. Slaptown. If I'm ever in uh, in the area, I'll check out Slaptown Barbershop. Yeah. Um, for what I know, they still wear masks and everything there, too, even though the mandates are lifted. Speaking of mask stuff, I went to a punk show, like a hardcore punk show a couple of days ago. And that's a like, mixed I bunch. Love, I love my fucking community because, like, mask mandates are lifted. Everybody there was wearing masks. Oh, man. That's beautiful. It was just, like, the, the coolest thing to see because I saw, like, Deftones and Gojira uh, last week. Gojira. And, like, Gojira is fantastic oh, live. Oh, my God. They sound okay. like their albums live. Like, it's crazy. That um, is cool. But, like, nobody there was masked up. And then I got plenty of, like, weird looks because, like, we're inside of the Rose Garden, you know? Like, you know, like, I, I feel like if, if for the amount of people who have been saying personal rights, personal rights, you know, personal freedoms, don't want to wear masks. They should 
give the same benefit of the doubt to somebody who does want to wear a mask. Like, yeah, oh, 100%. That, also, that's the but they don't dirty. because we're fucking, yeah. it's like, you know, I'm a, I'm a dirty sheep liberal for wearing a mask. And man, I went, I went, God, I went so long without getting COVID, dude. I thought I was going to make it through, uh, never getting COVID. I thought I was. I have so far knock on wood. Oh. Like, yep. I'm not, I'm not yeah. planning on getting COVID anytime soon. Oh, I'm man, just, I, I wasn't Andrew either. just got it. I'm just getting over it right now. That's fucking wild. Um, I, coming short on time. Did we miss anything? Any good um, questions that you got? Uh, the only thing, and I and I, I kind of didn't work it into the episode because I wanted to be able to cut it out if you weren't comfortable with it. But I wanted to see if you wanted to talk about the uh, the arm your friends controversy. Yeah, yeah, we can definitely talk about that. I don't know how much yes. time you have and how much you want to get into it, but um, um, so there's that's... a Reddit post on liberal gun owners as well as socialist RA in regards to that. Um, I'm sure if you Google it, I posted up a bunch of receipts for it too. So my big issue with that was mandatory range days, which they had volunteer people go out. Like if you're volunteering for something cool, at the very least, what you can do as a company is provide them with fucking liability insurance yeah. because if something happens, right. It is now on the hands of the person who organized that, which is their regional coordinator. So, thankfully, nothing ever happened, but I brought this up and it's been brought up before I even joined um, and was, you know, their mamba or whatever um, in regards to that and like taking care of people in case of like legal liability stuff because that's important, especially when you're doing something as dangerous as running around with guns. Um, so, as an instructor, like I obviously have my insurance and liability insurance all set. Uh, the range I have waivers with um, that I use, which is private land. But it's also one of those things which is like, they never even really consider that. So that was a big issue. Yeah. And then there's issues with other trainers as well, like payment issues and um, posting issues of like, you have the wrong dates for my class, you have the wrong location, you have the wrong time, you have all this incorrect information on there that needs to be fixed. And it literally continue to happen and continue to happen and continue to happen um and then you know once something becomes like a vanity show for one person um that's not something i necessarily want to be a part of um right if you right. can't demonstrate proper gun safety and a video of you talking shit like and again this goes into like you know the beginning of our conversation with like knowing your skill level right and not just like sticking in your lane but being humble and willing to learn and to like yeah be better and to, yeah. um, you know, if you can't demonstrate proper gun safety, you probably shouldn't be showing other people. Do you think it was just shoot, a, right? like an issue of getting too big too quick? Um, or do you think it was, cause I mean, I, I try to get I think people it to has benefit. to do with like the SRA, like, really? yeah. you know, leadership centralized, like one person thinking that they know what's best for everybody versus like. My local SRA chapters are great. I've met several people from in both Portland and up north in Seattle. Like, they're all fantastic people. Um, Red House, though, in Portland was kind of a, a shit show, which you can Google that. That was the whole thing. Um, but for the most part, the people in the SRA are fantastic. Um, when it comes to or centralized leadership, calling the shots for communities that they have no skin with like like no skin in the game no um actual relationships with these people i think there's a lot of issues that happen from that specifically right. um so yeah i did have a lot of freedom with like how i ran my classes how i interacted with people through army friends and i met a lot of really great people through them but i think um leadership failing to actually listen 
to like people who know what they're talking about, which is myself in regards to like, hey, we need to offer liability insurance for these people because if somebody does get hurt and there's like an ND, um, their life is now literally yeah. destroyed. Yeah. Um, so yeah, sure. being aware of stuff like that and then actually like heeding that advice versus like, oh, well, I'm going to delete these posts now, you know? Yeah. Like, and like bury it under the rug or like, you know, doing things for clout, like I said before, uh, shooting shooting steel at five yards with a pistol or like 25 yards with the AR-15, like, yeah, it looks cool for the gram, but at the same time, like, you're showing these people like, oh, look at this cool stuff that is potentially dangerous to them. Like, you probably shouldn't be shooting, you know, round after round into steel plates at 15 yards with an AR, you know? Yeah, definitely Those not. things are going Mach 3, and then they fragment, and then yeah. it, it can sometimes get kicked I mean, back. I, I've caught frag plenty of times, and it's not... Uh, yeah, it's farther not, it, distances than that, and it's not pleasant. Yeah, so it's like, okay, do these things, do it safely, and, like, you're showing people who don't know what good is, um, what your standards of that is, and it's not right. Uh, you know, well, we all have um, that responsibility to to new shooters to guide them properly and to make sure that they're getting good information and and have uh, good resources available to them. So it's, it's exactly it's, it's sad. Like you know, I I I, uh, I really hope they figure their stuff out because it's it's cool to have. In my opinion, you know, the more the more left leaning gun organizations, the better. Um, I, it's it's sad oh, when you see like a like a fall from grace or 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 whatever happened with them happen because um, it's it's it hurts us more than it hurts people on the right. I mean, there's there's a yeah, right wing sure. gun ranges and right wing gun gun uh, uh, organizations are a dime a dozen, but but with us, there's not a not a whole lot out there. So yeah, I um, actually flew out to Texas and shot with a bunch of them. That was a, that was like an eye opening experience for me though. That I saw it, I saw that. Yeah, you uh, you were mentioning. Um, that far more interested in like taking photos and posing than actually like running drills and stuff like that, which I'm not yeah. really about. Like if you look at my Instagram, like I'll post up photos of like my guns and shit like that. But, um, I won't like specifically like go out of my way to like record shit of myself or have somebody record it unless it's competition. At that point I can actually go through and like frame by frame, see like exactly what I'm doing and where I can improve. Um, but that's more for me. Yeah. Um, less so for like, I'm, I'm going to show, like post this up to show how cool I am, you know, doing this buddy drill with my other friend who's, you know, prior service, like learning how to bound or showing other people how to bound. Cause like, I don't give a fuck about that. Um, my, my role isn't necessarily to teach people how to bound. It's to teach people how to be like comfortable, confident and capable with their firearms. Like that's my ultimate goal. Um, I think there's yeah. a lot of. I, th- I think I think there's a lot of value to uh, messaging and aesthetics, um, but I, I I but I agree that that can't really come at the cost of of doing dangerous things and putting people in financial peril uh, potentially. You know, um, streetwear is cool. I love their shirts. I love their brand. I love all, all of their marketing. Their their posts with 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 you know the exception of one uh, you know kind of questionable one that I think got deleted. Uh, are, are all very cool and stylish. Um, Which was because they deleted everything. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, I don't know. I haven't checked around. They, they, they scrubbed their entire social media, which kind of tells you something. That's like it was one. It was one where it, it kind of. 
like I knew it was a joke, but it, it kind of looked like he might have been. Uh, oh, the Fed uh, posting one. The yeah, Fed yeah, posting yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. But but anyways, um, I I think that uh, I think that being cool and stylish and posing and and making making cool social media content, making cool shirts, I think that's great. Uh, but it was really frustrating to learn that that was like their absolute focus as opposed to that was something they were building on top of a foundation of solid training and, and, and good, you know, financial and, and, um, uh, personal responsibility. Yeah. I mean, there's a big difference between like saying and doing something though. Right. So like when I did my first sex workers class through army of friends, that was my decision to do it. That was my call to do it. That was my, um, like promotion for it. Right. For them, it was like, this is for a new t-shirt drop. Right. Uh, There's a difference between the two of like, hey, I'm out here to help these people that we're going to be talking about and that are, you know, at risk of violence just doing their job versus I'm going to use this to sell a T-shirt, you know. Which streamer is cool. Like, I love work, love stuff. I like, you know, Ford Observation Group and all that other stuff because... Bro, Betty, uh, and I, Listen, you, should, a little bro you should, you should see my sneaker collection. Like I'm, I'm kind of a high beast, uh, just <laughs> as much as I am with my rifles and shit. Um, I wish I could collect more sneakers, but uh, you know, I mean, well, Jordan can tell you. We didn't, oh we yeah, didn't yeah. The show is not sponsored by Whoopies. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> need to get a StockX sponsorship. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's one of those things where it's like fashion's cool, but at the same time, like our ultimate goal, like you said, should be to like train people to get good and to like know what good is and to from there be able to pass those skills to other people right like yeah i don't want somebody to just keep taking one-on-one class after one-on-one class with me i want them to be able to like leave with skills that they can go home and dry fire or that they can go and next time on the range go and demonstrate and practice um versus you know like being stuck in this perpetual loop of we're just going to do this low speed shit right so, and you've, you've said stuff like that a few times throughout this interview, and I just want to point out that what you're drilling down on is, is really the, the core of, of teaching itself that, uh, you know, the, the whole point of, of teaching, you know, and my understanding of, you know, cause I have been to school. Um, but the, the whole, the whole point of, of being taught is not to just like memorize things and then repeat them. It's, it's to learn how to then go learn more stuff. Yeah, and, and to, to share that knowledge as well, because the best way yeah. that you can actually learn something is it's to teach, teach somebody else as well. There's a lot of good shooters that are really bad teachers. Yeah, but there aren't going to be any good shooting instructors who are bad shooters. Like if you have a shooting instructor that can't hit a target, like you might have issues because they can't even demonstrate what they're trying to show you. Yeah, right? yeah. But with that, you know, on on the flip side, that there aren't as you can't just be a good shooter and be a good teacher. Like you have yeah, to know how sure. to do those other aspects of it and to explain these concepts rather than just be like, do exactly what I'm doing. Um, I mean, I have said in classes like, Hey, I can't shoot for you, which I can't, but I can give you the skills and the knowledge of like, this is what a proper grip actually needs to feel like in your hands. This is how your right. sides need to be aligned. Um, red dots make that so much easier where it's like, you can focus entirely on your grip pressure and your trigger pull because where that red dot is, is where holes go. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, modern instructors need to be caught up with like modern techniques and modern tools and modern things that are, you know, very, very useful for both training as well as like 
I'm a lot faster shooting with a red dot than I'm iron sights. I can still shoot iron sights and they're transferable from red dot skills, like my grip pressure, my trigger press, all that stuff. But, you know, you have these people who are like, oh, hey, you know, these old fuddy instructors are like, oh, hey, that red dot's going to fill on you when you need it most. It's like, yeah. nah, I, I replace my batteries once a year on my birthday. <laughs> right. Well, and I feel like that kind of that kind of um, ignores the myriad of other ways that guns mechanically fail and always have long before the advent of, uh, of red dot sites. Yeah. Um, during my two one classes, we actually, my favorite part, um, I do malfunction drills. I do induce malfunctions through yeah. spent brass casings in the magazine, as well as, um, you know, the Magpul, uh, this, this podcast isn't sponsored by Magpul, but their, uh, well, their not. dummy rounds are pretty cheap. <laughs> We're not sponsored um, by anybody. Right. <laughs> but, uh, the Magpul, um, dummy rounds are pretty inexpensive and you can get five, five, six ones. So I use those and, um, that teaches people like you get an open bolt malfunction if you have a spent casing, right? Because it doesn't fit back into the actual chamber to be able to actually inspect and see what kind of malfunction you have. And then from there, appropriate, clear that appropriately clear. That is very important, you know, because if you're dropping a mag on a closed bolt malfunction, when all you need to do is just rack back the charging handle, you're spending a lot of extra time, right? Because you're racking that back, you're taking out the mag, you're putting it back in, racking in another round, that takes up more time than just like, oh, hey, all I need to do is close bolt, just pull back the charging handle. That round that's, uh, you know, failure to fire more than likely gets kicked out. New round comes in yeah. um, versus like, hey, I had an open bolt malfunction. If I do that same drill because it's open bolt, that round or that casing isn't going to get stripped because it's no longer, you know, centered and it's like canted in there. Now I have exactly. a double feed and I made my life just so much worse, <laughs> you know. So, like, yeah. that's one of my favorite things to do in my 2-1 class is, like, I induce malfunctions for people and be, like, have your buddy that you're paired up with for the day load up your mags so that you can go through and um, you don't know when it's going to happen, right? Yeah. And so that's always a really fun one for me because I get to see how people react under that, under stress, while they're trying to work through this whole mag that, like, literally, you know, half of it is going to be malfunctions. That is but really I can't cool. stress that important, like the importance of being able to like know how to clear your rifle efficiently and effectively, yeah. you know, because malfunctions do happen. Absolutely. Yeah. More frequently than batteries die while you're shooting. Yeah. yeah. And normally if it's your, your optics dead, it's because you didn't actually tighten on your plate enough. And with modern optics now, most of those companies have fantastic freaking warranties, you know? Yeah. Like hollow sun vortex. Um, I run EOTechs on all my rifle uh, rifles just because, yeah, I, yeah, I really I, enjoy their sights. I had a flickering uh, um, uh, Trigicon RMR. Um, you know, I troubleshoot. I did troubleshooting myself, and, and you know, nothing fixed it. And I sent it in, and they were like, "Yeah, it's broken." They just sent me another one for free. Yeah, Paid I mean, it, there's it's a worthwhile investment to increase your shooting skills pretty dramatically, pretty freaking quick with modern technology, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so like LPVOs, like which are the new hotness, are great. Like it allows you to shoot accurately up to like a hundred yards plus, you know, way further than that. But if you want to put like you know one in MOA groups, um, an LPVO definitely helps you get that consistent sight picture versus a red dot sight. Yeah, true sure. story. And then also magnifiers. Now I've never been a huge fan of them. Um, just my personal preference. Like if I run something that's magnified, I'd rather do an LPVO. But even then, like they're fantastic 
Um, I actually have, uh, I'm ordering a G45 because I got a Unity mount for it for my MCX. Um, nice. Because the thing I don't like most about them is it throws off the kind of the balance of the rifle versus being in a straight line. Because some of those magnifiers are freaking heavy. So it gets kicked yeah. over to the right. And then rather than do that, like I, the Unity raises up and down basically. So I'm hoping that solves my issue with them and I can be like, oh, magnifiers are kind of cool. Otherwise, like LPVOs on most of my stuff. Yeah. Cool. Those are important considerations. That's, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I mean, it's different strokes for different folks, right? Like get what you're comfortable with, what you like. Um, but you don't know that as a new shooter. So if you're doing that and you're drop, just dropping money and dropping money, like you're going to just end up replacing shit all the time versus like get something that's kind of like, you know, beginner friendly and usable that's within your budget that works well, like an arrow, um, run that shit into the ground and then from there figure out like hey this is what i really like it's not like you can't resell that rifle on like gun broker or like you know a pawn shop or a local gun shop and like you know have it for sale yeah and get your money back of course do the ffl transfer and all that shit because obviously legal um but like firearms maintain their value pretty good if you get something that's decent like well, especially if you buy a high point a- no if you get like an arrow precision rifle, if you get a Glock, like you're pretty much gonna get like maybe fifty dollars less than what you paid for it. Yeah, or, or I mean, depending that's, on depend, the market. That's encouraging. Especially, well, if you sell it on GunBroker for sure, but that, don't go to your uh, local gun shop. Yeah, because they'll charge you. You're gonna get. Yeah, some of them are okay, yeah. but no, some went, are. Yeah, but they have to, to make sell, money too. So I went to go sell. Uh, I went to go sell some handguns that you know I just like wasn't using uh, at a, you found? At a local place. And they're like, we, is that I found? No. No, they're just, I just hadn't shot them in a while. I was like, you know what? I should just sell these. Uh, so I went to this local place that's like, hey, we specialize in uh, buying your guns. I was like, oh, that sounds like the right place. And uh, first thing he did, he opened it up and he smelled my gun. Uh, uh, it's a SIG P230. And he says, this smells like a crack house. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> Where like, I was I'm shooting like, cheap ammo through it. Like, I was like, what? He's <laughs> like, this is dirty and it smells like a crack house. Wow. I'll give you I'll give you two hundred dollars for it. Jeez, this smells. How, first of all, sir, how do you know what a crack house smells like? Yeah. Second of all, not my business. So, yeah. one one type of round for nine millimeter that I like literally love the smell of is Cellier and Bellet. Yeah, right? it has this different smell than any other pistol cartridge different. for nine millimeter. It yeah. smells so fucking good to me for some reason. I love shooting it. Uh, but yeah, it smells different than like Norma or like Remington, Winchester, all that shit. Like yeah, it just has this very distinct smell as it like from the gunpowder. Yeah, I've know. never paid attention to this before. Yeah, smell, now smell, you're like, smell gonna, like yeah, well, now I'm gonna have to go do it. Like, start helping. When yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I start asking guys like behind the counter, but what does this one smell like? Oh well, yeah, when you shoot it, what's it smell like? What's the? Are we missing a market are? like scented rounds? Possibly scented cartridges. We, just do some missing? like. Um, Potpourri. Sage inside yes. mixed in with the gunpowder. Yes, <laughs> uh, hell yeah! It's to ward off the evil spirits too. Yes, yes. I would use that. It can make different grain scents for uh, different intensities. All right, Mister Tank Pig, you got a class to get to. Uh, so before yeah, anything we else sign before, off, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pe- we will- go ahead, Jordan. No, I I insist, Andrew. Okay. Uh, do you have any little? Uh, just one last little tip, just a little one. 
that can improve people's quality of life. Doesn't have to be gun related. Just something that's on your mind that that you just you really want people to know. Do the things that make you happy and fuck everything else. Like literally, um, especially like literally stuff, fuck like, everything else. Or no, or... <laughs> no Jordan. <laughs> Like all the all the small petty stuff, all the gatekeeping, like it doesn't matter. Um, just continue to do what you do and try yeah. to make the world a better place. Like that's why I joined the military was to try to make in the world a better place and to help people. That's why I'm doing what I do right now is to help people and to have them be comfortable around something I really enjoy. Like us talking about gun stuff. Like usually I'm a really kind of like more quiet, shy person, but when it comes to gun stuff, like I'll talk all day. Yeah. Because oh, I yeah. love this stuff, right? And I want to share that hobby and make it a accessible and approachable for other people who might not realize like hey where do i start with this because it is daunting and there's a lot of really shitty instructors out there there's a lot of people who are instructors who shouldn't be instructors and a lot of people don't know that because you know they fall for this cool instagram post they fall for you know this other stuff that's like oh hey i want to jump right into this versus like getting those steps right you you gotta you gotta start somewhere and you know, if anything I ever say seems like it's making fun of new shooters, it's not. It's normally people who are overestimating their own skill level to yeah, try to humble sure. them. You know, because I, I love talking shit. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Uh, well, that, well, that's awesome cool. advice, man. That's uh, that's definitely definitely one of the best we've gotten. So uh, we appreciate it. We uh, appreciate you taking the time out of your weekend and your training schedule to talk with us, man. It's been real cool. And yeah, uh, I usually have like two to four one-on-ones every weekend if I don't have classes and then um, this week I took some time off or this month for um, you know just like some personal time relaxation yeah, yeah. Then, I have some um, me time man yeah next month I got four classes so Woo. yeah two 201s for carbine and then two one-on-ones so Busy. nice those are the ones that I really like teaching though like carbine classes are so much fun like teach people how to shoot VTAC and like to do it like quickly and efficiently that is cool. So, yeah, I want to do that. Come out this way. I got an extra room you can stay at. Let's take a trip. <laughs> All right, I'll bring. I'll bring my RV. I'll bring the whole family. Sweet. Yes. Awesome, man. Well, have a good rest of your day, and uh, hope training goes well. And thank you again for coming on. Yep. Thank you. We'll have be a in touch, man. You too. All right. Peace out, Girl Scouts. Peace out. Oh, hey, Andrew. It's just us now. Oh, it's just us now. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> this is the this is the bonus content. This is the bonus content that nobody stays for. Somebody might stay for. This is the after content the that you get forty minutes after after silence. This is, yeah, yeah, forty minutes of silence, and then yeah. you hear me whispering into the microphone. Uh, okay. Content. This isn't going I'm, in the. I'm gonna leave. All right, you're really good at the <laughs> Irish goodbyes, by the way. <laughs> what's, the, what's an Irish goodbye? Irish goodbyes when you don't say goodbye, you just leave, like at a party. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, well, how, how, can you, what do you mean, like? <laughs>